forward. Isaiah 23 in your Bibles. Isaiah 23. And uh, we're going to be looking at the first three verses to begin with. And then if you also want to turn over to Ezekiel 26 through 28 and put a marker there, uh, you can't study Isaiah 23 without including Ezekiel 26 through 28. Those, the two passages fit together. So we'll be looking at both this evening. Uh, but Isaiah 23 is where we're at in our verse-by-verse of the book of Isaiah. And so once you've found that, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're so able to, Isaiah 23, verses 1, 2, and 3 to begin. We'll be looking at the whole chapter this evening. All right, uh, verse number 1. The Bible says, The burden of Tyre, howl, ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house no entering in from the land of Chittim, it is, it is revealed to them. Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle, thou when the merchants of Zidon that pass over the sea have replenished, and by great waters that seed of Sihor, the harvest of the river, is her revenue, and she is a mart, or a place of commerce, a mart of nations. The title of the message this evening as we look at the 11th, and final burden laid out in the book of Isaiah. The title of the message is this, When Money Becomes King. When Money Becomes King. God does not do well with countries that worship money. He he ends up punishing them and has harsh things to say about them. Uh, This one, I think, of all the ones we've looked at, this one, I think, maybe hits closest to home with America. We are a little bit uh, uh, money being king here. It's been that way for a long time, and uh, I believe maybe some of what Tyre faced, we very well could be facing. Let's pray this evening. Lord, help us as we dive into the Bible and we uh, try to understand both the historical context and, Lord, the passage context. And then, Lord, uh, take and and, and, uh, give the interpretation uh, in a way that's accurate. Lord, guide us and help us into all understanding. Lead us into all understanding. But then, Lord, as we make... Uh, in, uh, applications into our lives. May, Lord, we do so in a way that's careful but yet practical. Be with us tonight. Spirit of God, lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've looked at 11, uh, this will be the 11th burden uh, over the last several chapters. We've looked at uh, chapters that begin with the burden, the burden. In fact, look back at chapter 21. It says the burden of the desert of the sea. Chapter 22, the burden of the valley of visions. Chapter 23, the burden of Tyre. This is the 11th and final burden that's laid out. And in each burden or judgment, God is highlighting something different uh, of why He's punishing these countries that either uh, neighbored Israel or Israel themselves or had some contact with Israel, so quickly, I, I, and this will just be on the screen. Um, if you want to maybe take a picture, we're we going to have them up just one at a time, or they're going to be a list, one at a time. All right, so we can send you the slides later if you want to want to recap of this. But here they are. Uh, Babylon represents false religions and idolatry. Why did God judge Babylon because of their idolatry and their false religion? The second burden we looked at was Palestine. Palestine represents true religion, gone apostate. At one time, Palestine worshipped the God of heaven, and their religion went apostate, and God judged them. Moab 
represents formal religion. This is, uh, uh, this is a religion that is full of uh, ceremonialism. Uh, this is religion that is full of rituals. This is dead religion that does not actually push and encourage relationship. Damascus represents compromise, all right? Quickly, Ethiopia represents missions, missions. And we talked about how that God didn't actually have judgment to pour on Ethiopia, but that one day uh, that God was going to send uh, to them missionaries and Ethiopia, as we highlighted in that message, would become a Christian nation and still is to this day. Egypt represents worldliness. We know that not only from the, the, the passage in the Bible, but here in Isaiah, but just all throughout Scripture, Egypt represents worldliness. Persia represents luxury, luxury. And so then we moved on and talked about Edom. Edom represents the flesh. Uh, Arabia represents war. And Valley of Visions, that was the one we looked at last week, Valley of Visions, uh, that's Judah. That represents corrupt politics, corrupt politics. God doesn't do well with politics that turn corrupt. And then lastly, the 11th burden we'll look at tonight is Tyre, and that represents commercialism, commercialism. When a country becomes drunk on commercialism, a country becomes drunk on its commerce, its trade, a country becomes drunk on money, and money becomes king. What does the Bible tell us? The First Timothy 6, the love of money is what? The root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. I've said it many times, money makes a great servant, but a horrible master. A horrible master. You want money to be your servant, you do not want money to be your master. Well, the folks of Tyre, they made money their king, they made money their God, and boy, God was not pleased with that. So let's jump in tonight to the outline, and we're going to consider three main thoughts, and I'm going to give you a history lesson in the process, hopefully in a way that's enjoyable. How many of you here, when you went to school, many, many moons ago for some of you, how many of you, when you went to school, you had a good history teacher and you enjoyed history class? Would you raise your hand if you went to school you had a good history? How many of you here went to school and didn't have a good history teacher and you didn't like history class? Okay. Uh, how many of you have learned to like history anyway? Anybody here, you've learned to like history anyway. All right. Um, I, I had a really good history teacher in the uh, not, let's see, ninth, tenth, eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. My seventh grade history teacher was not good. So when I got in eighth grade, I thought, I don't like history. History is boring. And then I got in the eighth grade and got a new history teacher. And I said, I love history. History is awesome. So I'm going to try to be a good history teacher tonight and make it fun and exciting for you and uh, uh, teach you a little something about the city of Tyre. Now, uh, personally, going into this Bible study, I had heard of Tyre, I had read of Tyre, and anytime I thought of Tyre, I thought of Sidon, because in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, when you hear of Tyre, you hear right behind it, Sidon. They were uh, mother and daughter cities, and Sidon is the mother city that founded Tyre, and Tyre would become a very uh, wealthy city, a city of great prominence, but God was going to predict great judgment on Tyre, and uh, two waves of judgment would uh, come upon Tyre. Let's jump in tonight. Notice, number one, the prosperity of Tyre, the prosperity of Tyre. So if you would, Brother Joe, put that first picture up there for us. Uh, this is a map of 
the Mediterranean Sea. You've got Africa there on the bottom, northern Africa on the bottom. You have Israel to the right. Uh, you have Spain to the left. But this map is set uh, back when it was uh, uh, more uh, closer to the, uh, uh, I'd say, five, six hundred years ago. Okay, And so Phoenicia there is highlighted in green on the right. And in Phoenicia, you can see it borders the Mediterranean Sea. It's got great access to all of the other uh, perimeters of the countries and continents around it. And so uh, go ahead and move on to the next picture there. And you get uh, a close-up of Phoenicia. Now, we've been looking at Cyprus, you may remember, on Sunday evenings. This is where Paul went with Barnabas, and they saw great success uh, before they uh, would go on into uh, Macedonia and whatnot. Phoenicia there, you see Damascus, Syria to the right, you see Israel to the south, okay? And so Phoenicia is now Lebanon. Phoenicia is now modern-day Lebanon, and then you see there the cities of Tyre and Sidon. So just trying to give you a geographical frame of reference to where Tyre was. Now, Tyre is, uh, well, we'll get into it. Okay, Tyre was right there on the mainland, and if you look at pictures of Tyre, it still appears to be on the mainland, but there's a whole lot of history of how all of that happened. Now, Tyre, as laid out by Isaiah in chapter 23, is laid out as a very prosperous city. Look with me at verse number 7 of chapter 23. Brother Joe, you can go back to our original uh, slide there, the prosperity of Tyre. Look with me at uh, verse number 7. The Bible says, Is this your, and here's letter A, is this your joyous city, whose uh, antiquity is of ancient days? Her own feet shall carry her afar off to sojourn. Now we'll get into the punishment here in a moment, but notice here that uh, Isaiah labels current day of his day, current day Tyre, a joyous city. Why? Because it was a port town, and as a port town with many ships coming in from all over the Mediterranean region, uh, it had its vacation side to it too. It was a city of tourism, and people came in, and uh, they would live it up and have a great time. No doubt there was entertainment for families, and there were hotel or inn-type stays. Uh, there was a, a, a tourism side to Tyre, much like there still is uh, today. It was a joyous city. It was a place of recreation. It was a place of fun. And here Isaiah is identifying that this prosperous city is a city that is joyous. Let her be noticed. It is a crowning city. Look at verse number 8. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, Who hath taken this counsel against uh, Tyre? Look here. The crowning city. So verse 7 tells us it's a joyous city. Verse 8 says it is a crowning city whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth. Some of you who are students of history may know that Great Britain, uh, when it was in its uh, peak of uh, of uh, uh, of, of power, it would go around and it would make various cities around the world a crowned city. It would crown cities. And so uh, England or Great Britain was known as the crowning country and it would crown other countries. Well, notice here that Tyre is called a crowning country or a crowning city rather. And why is that? Well, you have all sorts of territories 
where they would start a territory. They would start a people group all over the Mediterranean perimeter. They would put a colony, and that colony would grow into a city. You say, well, Pastor, why did they do that? Because what had happened was that Tyre had become a place of great commerce, a great, great trade. It was the market, if you will, of the entire area of the Mediterranean era. And so they would go start uh, colonies where uh, natural resources and agriculture could be gathered and they would bring those resources to Tyre and Tyre would be the place where the world would come to buy their supplies and buy their good and, uh, goods. And so they would go and start cities and then they were the crowning city that would crown other cities. One such city that they would crown would be right on the border of southern current-day Spain, right where the Mediterranean Sea goes into the Atlantic Ocean, and it was the city of Tarshish. Tarshish. How many of you recognize the name city of Tarshish? How many of you know what Bible character is attached to the city of Tarshish? Tell me what Bible character is attached. Paul? There's one more. Jonah. There it is. Jonah, our Bible college graduate, got it. Jonah, some of you knew it, you're just too shy to speak up. You remember when Jonah was told to go to Nineveh? He got in a boat, and by the way, Paul is of Tarsus. This is Tarshish, okay, different, different, okay. Anyway, he got into a, a boat, and uh, he went toward Tarshish instead of going toward Nineveh. By the way, if he had gone to Nineveh, he wouldn't have needed to get into a boat. He, he would have had to have walked where he needed to go. Brother Joe, can you go back and put that picture up of Cyprus uh, that's got the picture of Cyprus? What happened is he got into a boat and uh, a storm hit and uh, he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a whale. Probably what happened is the whale made a circle around Cyprus, came up there north of Laodicea and spit him out on shore and then he had a three-day journey to get over to uh, get over to Nineveh. So uh, a little tidbit there for you, just to give you a geographical reference. But uh, uh, there is the, the trip there. But Tarshish, back to the original point, would have been a crowned city. We'll see Tarshish mentioned a handful of times as we go through Isaiah 23 here in just a moment. And so we see it was a joyous city. We see it was a crowning city. And the reason was because, letter C, it was a merchant City. Look down at verse number 11. Verse number 11 of Isaiah 23. It says, He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. It was a merchant city. Turn over to uh, Ezekiel chapter 27. Now, if you really, really want to understand the uh, whole context of Isaiah 23, then take the time to read Ezekiel 26, 27, and 28. Uh, Isaiah 23 is basically the Cliff Notes version of Ezekiel 26, 27, and 28. And I've got to say that in the past when I've read through Ezekiel, there are portions of it where I have a hard time keeping my focus on what I'm reading. That is not the case with these three chapters. It is captivating type reading. But here we get a better idea of what it was like in old Tyre. Look at Ezekiel 27. We're going to read from verse 3 down through verse 12. 12. Notice the wealth, the prosperity. Notice how money 
had become king. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And say unto Tyrus, or Tyre, O thou that art uh, situate at the entry of the sea, which are a merchant of the people for many isles, thus saith Lord God, O Tyrus, or Tyre, thou hast said, I am of perfect beauty. Thy borders are in the midst of the seas. Thy builders have perfected thy beauty. They have uh, made all thy shipboards of fir trees of uh, cedar. They have taken cedars from Lebanon to make masts for thee. Of the oaks of Bashan have they made thine oars. The company of the Asherites have made thy benches of ivory, brought out the isles of Chittim. It, it's listing off the, the luxury items within the city. Verse 7, fine linen with broidered work from Egypt was that which thou spreadest forth to be thy sail. Blue and purple, signs of wealth. Blue and purple from the isles of uh, Elisha. Uh, Eli, Elisha. Uh, was uh, was that which covered thee. The inhabitants of Zidon and Arvad were thy mariners, thy wise men, O Tyrus, that, uh, that were in thee, that were thy pilots. The ancients of Gebel and the wise men thereof were in thee, thy caulkers, all the ships of the sea with their mariners uh, were, were, were in thee to occupy thy merchandise, they of Persia and of Lud and of Phut, and, uh, and uh, were, were in thine army, uh, thy men of war. They hanged the shield and helmet in thee. They set forth thy comeliness. The men of Arvad with thine army uh, were upon thy walls round about, and the uh, Gamadims were in thy towers. They hanged their shields upon thy walls round about. They have made thy beauty Perfect. Tarshish was thy merchant by reason of the multitude of all kinds of riches with silver, iron, tin, and lead. They traded in thy fairs. And so you get the idea here that this merchant city is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. You pulled up on Tyre and you saw the boats uh, that existed there. And you got an idea when you pulled up. You were pulling up into the lap of luxury. I get the idea of sort of like it would be to, in modern day to pull up into a Monte Carlo. All right, Monte Carlo, the, the big, beautiful, ritzy, uh, uh, billionaire vacation or retirement uh, community of the world. That's what Tyre would have looked like. And it was at the peak. It was at the top. Boy, um, everyone there would have worn Rolexes, uh, the most expensive clothing. Uh, they had it all. Money was king. The prosperity of Tyre. Uh, let me move on and let's look at number two. Let's look at the pride of Tyre. The pride of Tyre. Hold your place in e Ezekiel and look back at verse number nine of Isaiah chapter number 23. The Bible says, The Lord of hosts hath purposed it. Hath purposed what? It's destruction. The Lord of hosts hath purposed it. Why? Why has God purposed to speak through Isaiah and also Ezekiel to condemn uh, Tyre because of this. Look here. To stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Though, and by the way, that word honorable refers to those who have elevated themselves. Those who put themselves up on a platform. Those who say, we are the honorable. God says, I did this to put a stain on your pride. Right? Hey, all those fancy clothes that you wear, let me take the proverbial ketchup bottle and... Right? Uh, let me uh, trip you up into this 
horrible pit. You want to elevate yourself and you want to worship money and you want to worship commercialism and you want to hold high money and believe that that is your catch-all and that is your be-all and you want to ignore the God of heaven? Well, I'm going to put a stain on that pride. I'm going to bring you low uh, because of that. And uh, Ezekiel 28 articulates verse 9 even deeper. Look at Isaiah tw- Ezekiel 28 rather, and look at verse number 1, and let's read down through verse number 6. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the princes of Tyrus. Again, Tyrus is another word for Tyre. Thus saith the Lord God. And look at the articulation here of their pride. Because thine heart is lifted up. And thou hast said, look here, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God. In the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man and not God. Though thou, uh, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Now let me just pause the reading here. And let me say that I spent about two or three hours after I read Ezekiel 28 researching whether or not Tyre would be the mystery Babylon found in Revelation 17 and 18. Because uh, the language here of, of, of claiming to be God and sitting in the seat of God, that sure sounds a whole lot like the Antichrist, doesn't it? And, uh, and there are other things. I won't take the time to dive into all of it. I could spend the next two hours just talking to you about why Tyre could be the mystery Babylon and and why I ended up coming to the conclusion that I don't believe it is. I'll share uh, the end conclusion here in a moment. But I will say this, there are a lot of parallels here. There are a lot of parallels here between Tyre and the mystery Babylon, between uh, the leaders of Tyre and the Antichrist. Now, what do we learn from this? We learn from this that when someone acts like Satan, there are a lot of similarities. You remember Satan? What did Satan do in heaven? Why did he get thrown out of heaven? Because he tried to elevate his throne above God. He tried to say, I am God. And God threw him out. And why is God overthrowing Tyre here? Because in their love of money and in their love of wealth, where money has become king, they have so elevated themselves in wealth and comfort and prosperity that now they are dismissing that there is a God and they're elevating themselves up as God and God just cannot stand the sight of these men claiming to be God. Look at verse 2. Or verse 3 rather. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. I believe there's some sarcasm baked into verse 3. Verse 4, With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. Oh, you're so smart. You've learned the system. And you are the city of merchants. And people come to you from the world to buy their goods. And you are sitting on wealth. You are wiping tears with $100 bills, if you will. You are wealthy. You have gamed the system. You have figured it out. Verse 6, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. Verse 7 and down, lay out the judgment. And uh, we may look at that here in just a moment. What is the point I'm trying to drive home here? These were a people that had fallen in love with money on such a level that they had been so lifted up in their pride, they began to view themselves as God. Not as a God, as the God. 
as the God. I would love to think that at White Oak Baptist Church that we have put money in its proper place. But I, I am not, um, I didn't just fall off the back of the milk truck yesterday. Amen? I've grown up in church my whole life, and boy, I have seen some nasty, nasty, nasty fights between church members over money. I have seen people get ugly over money. Now, I want to just say, I believe that where there is money, especially amongst Christians, we need two things. We need transparency, and we need accountability. Those two things are paramount. They're paramount. They're very important. And as the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church, I invite any system we can put in place, uh, I believe we have a system put in place that is both transparent and has accountability built in, and we are currently looking at ways to even make that better. All right? But when it comes to you and money, is money king in your life? Or is God king in your life? Because when money creeps in and becomes king, then what ends up happening is God begins to play less and less and less of a role in our decision making, and we begin to play more and more and more of a role. And yes, this at its extreme gets to a place where we dismiss God altogether and we become God in our own heart and mind. Now, I don't know that um, anyone who comes here regularly is anywhere near that place. But just because we may not be as bad as the people of Tyre, boy, that doesn't mean there isn't a lesson in here for us. I, I'm going to give my opinion on a couple of things here. I want to make sure I state it as my opinion. But I believe this is good sound wisdom from years of experience of being around church and seeing uh, how uh, money things go. Um, I, I, I don't think you should ever, 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 ever loan another Christian money. I just don't think you should. Um, if you can't give it, then you shouldn't have anything to do with it. Someone comes to me and asks me for money. I look at what I have in the bank. I consider the reality of their need. And I may give them money, but I do not expect it back. I have seen Christians loan money to other Christians, and then that person who took the loan was not able to pay back, and then hard feelings are developed. And that gets ugly. I just don't think that one Christian should ever loan another Christian a dime. I don't. I don't think it's wise. I don't, I don't know that it is the best idea for Christians to do business with other Christians. Now, I'm going to lay out some ground rules if you do do it. How I, ground, I'm going to lay out my ground rules, and you're welcome to adopt them. Um, but if you can avoid using someone you go to church with in, in doing your, your business uh, that you have to pay someone for, uh, then I think you should avoid it. If there's two people out there, and they're both trustworthy, and you go to church with one of them, and you don't go with the other one, might be better you go with the one that you don't go to church with. If you are going to do business with someone you go to church with, boy, you, you, you're better off starting out small with something small 
and seeing how that goes. Put everything in writing. Everything. Do not do anything with a fellow Christian or church member by handshake where money is going to be involved. Do not do that. Now, again, I'm giving you my opinion. I'm giving you my rules. I'm encouraging you to adopt these rules. But as the pastor who sometimes gets sucked in to situations where there are feuding church members, I'm begging you, please, to, to adopt these things, okay? Be careful. Be careful. Don't expect someone who has a professional business or service in our church to necessarily cut you some deep discount just because you go to church with them. They have overhead. They have bills that have to be paid. Now, they may very well offer you that, but you should never go into it expecting it. And Jesus said this. He said, no man builds a building without first counting the cost. Carson sitting in here, his dad does construction work. We've used his dad, and, and his dad's got a great reputation of doing good work. And Listen, I, we would not hire anyone, Brother Vara, anyone, to come in here and do a project at this church unless we already had the money sitting in the bank. We're not going to do something without counting the cost. We had our parking lot redone here a few years ago. Before we ever called and had it redone, we had every penny we needed to pay for it sitting in the bank, designated, sitting aside, ready to go. And so don't you call someone, Brother Ordonez has got a business, handyman business. Don't call someone and uh, ask them to come in and do work around your house if you don't have the money to pay them. Now, one more thing here. If you are in business and you have a business and someone takes advantage of you, I hope you've learned your lesson with that particular person. Amen? But you're better off not holding a grudge. Let's make God king. Let's hold up high the fabric of our church unity over a dollar someone didn't give you. And let's turn that over to the Lord and ask God to punish them for not paying you and ask God to hold them accountable for that. But you need to be very careful not to let money get between you and someone else. The pride of Tyre, they put money as God, as king. And I'll just say this here. As Americans, okay? Let me speak to the, the American dynamic of this and move on to number three and look at the prophecy. I am a capitalist. I make no apologies for that. I've, I've studied economics. I, I, I made 100% A plus in economics in high school. I've read books on economics. I've looked at socialism, socialism systems and communism systems. Uh, uh, systems and fascist systems, and I've looked at uh, capitalistic systems. Every system's got errors. Every system is broken. Uh, but I've, I believe the best economic system for a country is capitalism. I, that's my opinion. That may not be your opinion. That's okay. We're allowed to have a disagreement on that and still love each other. But my opinion is that the capitalism system, it, it works. And it's not perfect, and it, there, there, are, there are holes in it, and, and it needs to be regulated properly. But I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist at the end of the day. Uh, however, the problem with a capitalistic system is this right here, is that a country becomes so wealthy, and that wheel turns so fast and goes so well, But those who are rich fall in love with money and then begin to do things that are dishonest to make more money. Tyre had a capitalism system, man. 
They were trading. They had goods coming in, going out. They were making their money. Uh, they, they were a capitalistic society. But they had become so in love with money that money had become their God. Why, where has America gone off the rails? I'll tell you where America has gone off the rails, rails. We've done too well financially. We've become too rich as a country. We've become so rich that money has become our God. And now where God is going to rain down His judgment and wrath on us because of it. And I believe in a lot of ways that process has already started. That's exactly what happened to Tyre. It's exactly what happened to Tyre. They became proud. Listen, the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. When God is our Lord, we lean on Him for support, not on our own intellect, not on our own uh, economy, not on our own Wall Street, not on our own um, uh, uh, industry and private business. We've looked at the prosperity, we've looked at the pride. Let's look at lastly, number three, the prophecy. The prophecy against Tyre. And here we're going to move quickly, but I'm going to lay out some more history for you that's really fascinating here and show you how prophecy of Isaiah and Ezekiel came true and came true in a fascinating way. Look at verse number 1 with me here. Notice letter A, the destruction of the city. The destruction of the city. Look back with me at chapter 23 and look at verse, verse number 1. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, The burden of Tyre, howl, ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim, it is revealed to them. God says here to those from Tarshish, the colony city that was planted, howl, weep, moan, cry, because I'm going to lay flat. I'm going to utterly destroy Tyre. Look down with me at verse number 10. Verse number 10 of chapter 23, and we'll read down to verse 14. The Bible says, Pass through thy land as a river, O daughters of, of Tarshish, for there is no more strength. He stretcheth out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. And he said, Thou shalt no more rejoice, O thou oppressed virgin, daughter of Sidon, arise, pass over to Chittim. There also shalt thou have no rest. Behold the land of the Chaldeans, or speaking of the Babylonians, the people was not till the Assyrian founded it. For them that dwell in the wilderness, they set up the towers thereof. They raised up the palaces thereof, and he brought it to ruin. How, ye ships of Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. Well, what happened was the Babylonians would come in, and they would conquer Tyre. Turn back over to Ezekiel chapter 26, and we'll see this same prophecy laid out in even greater detail. Ezekiel 26, and look at verse number 1. Ezekiel 26, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, because that Tyrus hath said, against, uh, hath said against Jerusalem, Aha, she is broken. That was the gates of the people. She is turned unto me. I shall be replenished. Now she is laid waste. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Tyrus, and will cause many nations. Notice that many nations to come up against thee, as the sea causeth his waves to come up. Now look at the details in verse 4. This will blow your mind. Look here, especially after I give you a history lesson. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyrus and break down her towers. I will also, look here, scrape her dust from her and make her like 
the top of a rock. Now, here is where it gets really, really fascinating. Uh, back in Bible times, when Israel or Babylon invaded Israel at the same time, they also invaded uh, they invaded ba- uh, uh, Tyre. And when they conquered Israel shortly around that time, they conquered old Tyre. They wiped out Tyre and uh, they utterly destroyed Tyre. They broke it down to a place where it would never truly be inhabited the same way again. They were carried into captivity just like the Israelites were. And they were held in captivity for 70 years just like the Israelites were. And when they came back, they were released from captivity. Instead of going to the old location where Tyre was, there was an island just a few uh, meters or rather a few kilometers off of the shore. They went onto the island and they built up Tyre again. Put the picture, next picture up there for me, if you would. And so here you have the mainland city and you have the island city. The mainland city existed in the day of Isaiah. The island, as far as we know, was not seriously inhabited. The mainland city was carried away into captivity by Babylon. It was completely burned to the ground. It would no longer be inhabited after 70 years when the folks of Tyre, the Phoenicians, were released. They came back. They went out to the island and they built up the city there on the island. And there they would be uh, for many, many, many years. And lo and behold, Alexander the Great in uh, 300 and something B.C., uh, I believe, five, I'm sorry, 533 B.C., he came along and he conquered all of Macedonia. He came down uh, the shoreline here. He's heading toward Egypt to take over Egypt. He gets alliances from all the other Phoenician cities, including Sidon, the mother city of Tyre. And then he comes to Tyre and he tries to get Tyre to surrender to him the way the other cities were, but Tyre was not going to give in. You see, Tyre had fought the Babylonians later, and he had the city of Tyre had defeated the Babylonians. So they were certain with their high walls, uh, the water between them, and uh, uh, the, the, the navy they had built up, the wealth they had built back up, they were certain that Alexander the Great would never defeat him. And then Alexander the Great decided that he was going to go ahead and try to take on Tyre and defeated. And so what he did is he found a natural uh, uh, land bridge between the two that was covered by just a few feet of water. And watch this now. This is this is the Bible prophecy coming to truth before your very eyes. What did Alexander the Great command? He commanded for the the old city of Tyre for the dirt and the rocks to be scraped. And that dirt and those rocks to be carried out and put down on top of that natural land bridge and for a causeway to be built so they could walk out toward Tyre and get close enough to it to build up towers so they could fire down in on the city and defeat it. Ezekiel predicted that many nations would come against them and the rocks would be scraped. Alexander the Great made that prophecy come true when he took all of the dirt and all of the rocks from the, uh, from the uh, old city of Tyre and he put them in the water and he made a natural land bridge over to Tyre. Put the next picture up there. This is a, 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 a drawing 
of the two, this is taken from inside the, the city of Tyre out there on the island, toward that causeway, toward that land that had been laid out and built where those towers with uh, catapults existed to fire on in. And there are a couple of videos that historians have put out on YouTube that lay out Alexander the Great's entire siege of Tyre and how he laid out this causeway and, and how the, uh, the, uh, the, the people of Tyre fought back and, and the whole back and forth and how eventually Alexander the Great did win. He, and many of you in here that know your history know that Alexander the Great never lost a battle his entire time as a, as a, as a general, war general. Uh, but he would overthrow the Tyre, but, the city of Tyre. But Tyre would be his most difficult challenge However, in doing so, he made Ezekiel 26.4 come true. Many nations came against, and the rocks were scraped in order to build that causeway. Very, very fascinating. We see here, letter A, we see the destruction of the city. Uh, letter B, notice the despondency of the nation. So now we go back to uh, when the city was first taken over by Babylon, old Tyre, was taken over by Babylon. Turn back to uh, Isaiah 23 and look with me at uh, verse number 1. You can let go of Ezekiel. We're done in Ezekiel for tonight. However, I do encourage you to read Ezekiel 26 through 28 on your own time. Very, very fascinating reading. Look with me at um, uh, verse number 1 and let's look at the cities and nations that were dependent on Tyre. It says here, The burden of Tyre, how ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim. It is uh, re- revealed to them. Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle, uh, uh, thou uh, whom the merchants of Zidon. So we've seen uh, Tarshish. We see Zidon, that pass over the sea, have replenished. And by great water, the seed of Sihor, the harvest of the river. This is a reference to Egypt. I'll explain in a minute. Is her revenue, and she is a mart of all nations. Be thou ashamed, O Zidon. Why? She's the mother city. For the sea hath spoken, even the strength of the sea, saying, I travail not, nor bring forth young men, nor bring up virgins, as at the report concerning Egypt. Uh, so shall they be sorely pained at the report of Tyre. Pass ye over to Tarshish, how ye inhabitants of the isle. Another, uh, uh, verse 6, let's, uh, we, we looked at that rather. Another reason why I had suspicions that maybe Tyre was Mystery Babylon is because in the, in the uh, New Testament, the book of Revelation, when Tyre is, or rather Mystery Babylon is destroyed, merchants will be in the water mourning and weeping and grieving over the sudden destruction of Mystery Babylon, just like Tyre here. But quickly here, notice the nations. The people of Tarshish were originally from Tyre, uh, had gone out to Spain to establish that colony. They're coming home to their homeland. No doubt there are uh, grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews. And, and now they're seeing the city that's been utterly destroyed and the people have been carried away into captivity. And so the people of Tarshish are to weep. We see the city of Sion or Zidon. Uh, they weep because their 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 daughter city that they had planted and seen come to great success has now been destroyed. And and then the people of Egypt weep. Look back at verse number three. It says, "And by great waters." That's a reference to the Nile River. By great waters, the seed of Sihor, the harvest of the river. This is a reference to the soot that would wash up there in Egypt and the great 
agriculture that came from that soot. They would gather together that agriculture. They would take it to market entire. They would make their money there entire. And now the people of Egypt are weeping because Tyre has been destroyed. The marketplace has been destroyed. The despondency of the nations. Look at letter C with me. Notice their deliverance from captivity. Their deliverance from captivity. Look at verse number 15. Verse number 15 of chapter 23. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten seventy years, according to the days of one king. After the end of seventy years shall Tyre, look here, sing as an harlot. Take and harp. Go about the city, thou harlot. Thou hast been forgotten. Make sweet melody. Sing many songs. Uh, that thou mayest be remembered. Now, another, I, I, we can't cover the message tonight without talking about this. In, in Revelation 16 and 17, where Mystery Babylon is talked about, the Bible says about the kings of those nations that do business dealings with Mystery Babylon, it says that they commit fornication with her. They commit fornication with her. Here, Tyre is being delivered, but now she's being compared to an old harlot. Uh, she's no longer the young, pretty, uh, 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 young-bodied prostitute. She's now the old woman prostitute that has to play a harp and sing in order to draw a crowd, in order to draw attention. Why? Because the old Tyre was this mart the whole world ran to for their money-making and their commercialism, the fornication, if you will, uh, uh, the fornication, uh, the economic fornication they committed with old Tyre. Now this new Tyre out on an island, they have a harder time drumming up business because they're the old harlot that has to sing and play a harp in order to draw a crowd, but God says that they would be delivered from captivity and go right back to their money-making ways. Look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre, and she shall turn to hire uh, and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. God looks down so strongly on countries who have evil ties uh, in order to make money, where money-making is king and God. And God is not God. Money is God that He compares it to fornication. He uses the term of fornication. That is quite strong language. Letter A, we see uh, the destruction. Letter B, the despondency of the nations. Letter C, their deliverance. But let's end this on a happy note. Notice their destiny in God's kingdom. Turn over, or rather look at verse 18. And then we're going to turn over to Psalm 45. And we'll finish here. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, And her merchandise. And this, this is speaking, I believe, of the millennial reign. Look here. And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. It shall not be treasured nor laid up, for her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. One day, by the way, Tyre is one of the oldest cities in the world. You have Tyre from way back in uh, the Phoenician Empire. And then you have uh, old Tyre. You have the new Tyre that Alexander the Great conquered. And by the way, he would leave the king of Tyre. He would leave him in charge, but then leave his army to indwell the city. Okay, And so, um, uh, uh, still the city there. Still the city there. And the city of Tyre, Lebanon, still exists today. 
and will be used one day. Turn over to Psalm 45. We'll finish the sermon here. Psalm 45, and look at verse number 6. Verse number 6. This is what we call a messianic psalm. This is a psalm talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Verse 6 shows us that this is speaking of the millennial reign of Christ. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. This is not talking about David. This is talking about uh, Jesus Christ one day, the Messiah in his reign. Look at verse 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. This is speaking of Jesus' millennial reign. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord. And worship thou him. The nations will come and worship the Lord. The female nations will come and worship the Lord. And then we get verse 12. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. Look back at verse 18 of Isaiah 23. And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. Put that last picture up there for me. Old Tyre and new Tyre have sort of become uh, one, uh, although Old Tyre still has not been inhabited because God said it wouldn't be, and where actually Old Tyre was is no more. But what do you see here is the island and the mainland have been adjoined. That causeway that Alexander the Great began has been fleshed out, has been made larger, and that is a Google Maps image of modern-day current Tyre. They still have ports. They're still making money. God is keeping them around. Why? He's keeping them around because one day the money made in those ports right there, right there on your screen, right there, the money made in those ports will be taken and given to Messiah during the millennial reign. God is not done with Tyre. One day he's going to use these folks who live in modern-day Lebanon to worship him. And so uh, we see a happy ending to our story. Well, tonight, the challenge is this. Make sure God is God and money is not your God. Make sure God is God. Listen, money is a great tool. and We all need it. Make sure that you don't worship money. Make sure that God is first in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. How did I do as a history teacher? How many of you learned something tonight? All right. I learned something too putting that together. That was a lot of fun. Now when you read that Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon in Matthew, I think it's 15, you'll have a better idea of where he went. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you tonight for our Bible study, our time together. We pray, God, that you'd help us as we go forth into our places of work, into our uh, uh, business affairs, uh, Lord, into the stores and Uh, Lord, as we are a part of this American system that I believe is steeped in a lot of wickedness, that you would help us not to fall into the trap of commercialism, of worshiping money. Lord, may the love of money not define us or be us. Lord, may our love for you so supersede any 
affection we have toward money, that our desire toward money looks like hatred in comparison. Help us to hold you high. Help us to make you king. And Lord, um, we pray and trust that you'll supply our every need with the money you give us. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, Bible examples and Bible stories of countries and people groups that got it wrong. And Lord, how we can glean truth and life lessons. Lord, help us not to be guilty of repeating history. Thank you, God, for uh, this place and this time. And Lord, we ask that you help us to honor you and all that we say and do the rest of this week. In Jesus' name.